0: Welcome to the 38th episode of the No Degree Podcast. This is your host, United Ball, and today's guest is Ryan Sculera. Ryan had a dream of becoming a rapper. He spent a lot of his time in high school and his early adulthood focusing on music. He worked extremely hard at it. However, one day he realized the lifestyle wasn't for him. He wanted a normal job with normal hours. He started off selling Italian food to businesses. He did extremely well, and that was the start of his sales career. He had traditional jobs and he worked in health insurance, among other companies. He also incorporated music and creativity to catch the attention of his prospects. Listen to how Ryan learned how to set himself apart and grow his sales career. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show is impossible without you. Let's get this show started. So, hey, Ryan, can you give the audience a brief introduction of yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Ryan Scalera. I am part of the Gap Selling team over at A Sales Guy Inc. I help sales teams and individuals get better at their craft, close more business, and just take their game to the next level.
0: How'd you sort of end up in that?
1: That's a long story. So, I actually was trained uh, by Keenan at my last company, and over a long engagement in posting content on LinkedIn. He kind of picked me up, saw what I was doing and allowed me to kind of run free with it. So I've been having a lot of fun.
0: Man, that's awesome. So let's kind of take it back to high school. Would you want to be in high school and how was high school for you?
1: Oh man, high school, uh, I, was, I was a smart kid, but I did not apply it always as well. I wanted to be a famous musician, either a rapper or a rock star. And I worked very hard at that as well. I put a ton of hours into music, learning how to compose, how to produce, went to audio engineering school for a little bit. Ultimately, that was the goal, and it led me full circle to what I'm doing today, actually.
0: Wow. So for those of you in the audience who don't know, you create a lot of rap videos. You do like freestyles, right? Sales freestyles and stuff.
1: <laughs> so I do full, full fledged music videos and it's not always rap. It, it can be rock. It could be a amount of things, but I use it to stand out in my prospecting for key accounts that I'm trying to get into. And it's been having so far, a hundred percent success r- rate so far.
0: When you say you worked hard, can you sort of elaborate that when you mean that you were working hard in this career? like What was it? Like You went to school. What'd you do after? How'd you learn? How'd you move up? How'd you gain these skills? When it comes to music or- Yeah, music, music. Okay.
1: So this was something where I just, I mean, I naturally taught myself how to audio engineer. And then I went to a course to actually get better and really learn from professionals. And what I'm saying, I spent how many hours you have to be to master at something. I didn't become a master, but I learned and I failed and I got better and I got used to recording, producing. I learned more about music theory and it just, it took course as a hobby in the beginning, but I just put so much time into it. I ended up working for Wyclef Sean's family in Bloomfield. I worked in a studio in Queens, met a lot of awesome people, including like The Roots and Method Man and Had a lot of fun in the industry, but ultimately when my first daughter was born, I left the industry and I got into sales.
0: So how was it leaving an industry? Because, you know, this was definitely your dream. You worked up a bit and you worked harder because, you know, a lot of kids say, hey, I want to be a rapper, rock star, and, you know, they'll do a little thing. But it's clear that you definitely took it a step beyond what sort of like made you realize like I'm sort of leaving and why did you decide on sales after leaving?
1: This is something that like, I didn't really want to leave. I put so much time in. I committed myself. I was dedicated that I was going to do it right and become famous or whatever it was or successful in that industry. I shook a lot of hands. I got myself into places that most people would never figure out how to do. And in that, I actually learned how to get the attention of really important people, and meet people over and over and over again and put myself out there and put myself on the line um, at that point with my music. But what it helped me do is learn how to communicate. I was shy at the time I was starting, and then I just lost all of that through music. When I left, it was really kind of that like, oh, you know, I'm 22, I think at the time, you know, this may not work out. I was getting a lot more pressure from family that, you know, now I have a kid, I'm going to have to support my family and I have to figure out something I'm going to do while doing my more passion projects on the side. That was the transition into sales. It was something I could do without a college degree. And it was something that I was just naturally curious about. So I wanted to learn how to communicate. I wanted to get into business and I didn't know how to do so. And really, if you look at a job board and you don't have a degree and all those entry-level things, it's like, what can you apply yourself to where at least your success is in your hands?
0: How long were you in music? So you said you 22 is when you got out. What age did you get in? Man, I was...
1: I think I started messing around with music when I was like fourteen. I wasn't one of those child prodigies that could play instruments, but yeah.
0: So, what are some lessons you learned? Like, what are some things that like you learned? Like, obviously, you learned how to not be shy and stuff. What else did you learn from like sort of the music industry that you're still using today?
1: Famous people, CEOs, you know, they're not much different in a lot of ways. People are people. And if you treat them like that and you figure out how they want to be communicated with, you can get a seat at their table. It's, it's really all about understanding their agenda, what's going on in the background, rather than just looking at someone as this unattainable, completely different being than you are. And I think when people first meet someone famous, like I got, I got the same feeling when I met someone famous the first time that I did when I met a CEO for the first time and I was having that conversation, I realized that comparison and how to get their attention is all really based about what their current objectives are.
0: Interesting. What are some like do's and don'ts of the industry? There's a lot on sales. There's probably a lot of music too. Well, let's talk about music first before (laughs) we sort of go into the (laughs) sales. Before
1: we go into that. Okay. So for, for the do's and don'ts of music, I mean, don't just sit in a silo and think that your name is going to get out there. You have to work really hard at it. You have to be able to take criticism. And it's harder, I think, in music to look at your own work and say where you need to improve and kind of have that you know, emotional intelligence to separate yourself from that. It also, I think it, it really takes a lot to be able to approach people and get into a, a situation in a way that doesn't seem weird or creepy or needy. In that way, if you can figure out a way around that or put yourself around people that are in that right decision, it's not going to come off that way if you do it right.
0: What are some things that people just don't know about the music industry? Because, you know, I read something recently where it was like, you know, people really discount a lot of the people that are involved. You think, yes, yeah, to artists, but then it's like the guys behind the studios, the guys who are looking for outfits for people in the music video. There's like so much that goes into just the industry. What are some things that really surprised you as you entered?
1: As I entered, I think one of the biggest things is just finding out about people with publishing deals. There's tons of artists that become that next layer of like pop stars and stuff that started out writing songs for your current favorite artists. And a lot of people that are really serious about the music industry actually are trying to go for publishing deals uh, sometimes more often. I think now more often than record deals. And then actually getting to meet people and see whose personality was really their personality. Method Man was Method Man, like he was—he was a hundred percent Method Man, straight to the core. My interaction was one of my favorite interactions. <laughs> and really, like a lot of the people that you think are really successful in the music industry are not. There was one story in particular that I heard that was like at the time this guy was on almost every other song with Lil Wayne. And you would think, oh my God, he got this record deal. It must be life-changing. He was clinically depressed and completely financially destroyed by the opportunity that he got. So it was just like 100% that it was completely taken advantage of. He did not have a business acumen. And most people going into it don't. And then they try to get a business acumen and they go to other people that have a stake in that financial decision for that advice, which is an error in and of itself. Finding that kind of stuff out was kind of a little bit heartbreaking.
0: No, you brought up a lot of great insights because, you know, the publishing deals. like, you know, Pusha T, he's the one who made the McDonald's jingle, but he didn't sign the right contract, right? So obviously he didn't get much, right? I've heard so many claims
1: on the McDonald's one. He did do the Arby's is what he gets a ton of money. He learned from Arby's.
0: (laughs) And then, you know, obviously, and it's just very interesting that it's like, you know unfortunately a lot of the creative people they're very creative and they got into it for the love of the you know the the creativity but the business side it is very important who are the ones that you see sort of succeed like they're like all right this guy he has the business sense and what are what do they do like who do they surround themselves with
1: typically they weren't going after like record deals they were I mean look at like Chance the rapper Chance did a beautiful thing coming up independent but not just staying an underground artist is kind of like this was the challenge of this decade to figure out how to do that effectively a lot of the people who were intelligent about the way they went they didn't come in get a record deal or a 360 deal start spending money and um you know just kind of blow it and then get the next record deal to cover the cost of the last one or forget to pay their taxes Really, they were coming in and they were understanding that all of a sudden now that they're, they're a marketing like device in and of themselves. So they built businesses around, they created multiple uh, streams of revenue, they, they started expanding their horizons, collaborating with other artists, developing a social media strategy, even if they're, they themselves aren't going to utilize it. This is really not even just in music. I mean, athletes, people that become influencers, they should all take this kind of approach because whatever the device or the medium that you're getting this attention from is not going to live forever. Look at um, Joe Budden. He did the music thing. He was never going to last in the music thing. But then all of a sudden now, podcast hosts, he's he's growing that base. He's probably has clothing lines and all these other different investments that he's putting in. Uh, So yeah, the the smartest thing is to diversify and treat your brand as an actual business instead of just like, I want to be a famous rock star.
0: What are some other mistakes that you see people make? Obviously, the financial ones surrounding themselves with the wrong people. What are some other mistakes that people sort of make in the music industry?
1: Thinking that it's a short-term play, that it's just going to work out really quick if it's going to work out. Um, I know a couple of friends that are still in the industry And every year they say, this is our year. In reality, I think they've gone away from that a lot where now it's like, if something's going to happen, it may not be the thing that we started off as our main goal, but now it's more about just building a life that allows them to do the things that they love.
0: Cool. So you went through this what are some things that like surprised you for yourself? Because obviously you had this dream built up, but were some things like, wow, I did that in the music industry. That was cool. I didn't like, because well, it just like you said, the road is just like, hey, I expect to do this, but it's like, oh, goes all over the place. Hey, I didn't know I could do this. What are some stories that you could share regarding that?
1: So, I mean, I recorded, I hit the record button on an inaugural speech. That was pretty cool. <laughs> didn't have much involvement. I don't think and it never got played. But this wasn't for the United States, it was for a different country. <laughs> and then like performing in front of a lot of people, getting on stage at the rooftop of the Harris Resort and performing in front of a bunch of people was awesome. Um, just the people I got to meet, the places I got to see, I got, I got peeked behind the curtain, so to speak. But then again, like I didn't really go that far with it. I only got to see some things in the the tenure that I had there. I'm more proud of what's happened after that. But the things that I learned and how to hustle and how to meet the right people uh, were absolutely vital to what I do today, actually.
0: If you don't mind sharing, how big is a... Or how small is a sort of record deal for someone like entry level, like someone starting out? Cause I know obviously, like someone like Kanye, right, would get like an $8 million advance with like $4 million for like, you know, expenses and stuff. But what, like, you know, obviously someone starting out at whatever level you were with or someone similar, what does it look like? I
1: mean, I, if I were ever gonna be offered a record deal from the amount of audience that I had built, it would be a complete 360 deal and it wouldn't be a lot of money. 360 is that they can take a piece of the whole pie. Everything you do afterwards, all of your merchandising, any contracts you get after, like it's it's really just like the worst kind of thing
0: to end up in. Wow, that, that really sucks. And a lot of people just... So when someone offers a 360 deal, what do they give you? So they say, hey, we're, we're entitled to everything. What do they give you?
1: They give you money to record an album. You have to pay... It's probably for a specific project. They pay you... You then have to um, remember to pay taxes or remember that taxes are going to come out. You have to pay for a studio. Like, they, they really don't do what they used to, which is being the marketing and distribution channel. You can do distribution on your own. I, there's websites like DistroKid where you're not selling physical CDs anymore, really. So, it's like if you want to promote and distribute, like, you don't need a record deal at all. Some people get it, they get a lump sum of money, then they blow the money and now they owe all of that back and they might not, the record may not sell. So then you're, yeah, you're not in a good place.
0: No, thank you for giving us the insights into sort of that industry. So now you came in 22 and, you know, it was definitely a tough decision can you share that process like while you're thinking you're like, what was it like? When did you sort of realize like, all right, I got to walk away because you probably were thinking about it for a little bit, but then it's always different when the day it happens.
1: The day it happens, I was in a, in a studio. I was recording a couple songs and I had one song I was really passionate about with a good message and then another song. that was more of like a dancey type of like pop ish thing. And the producer was like, "Oh no, let's focus on the dancey poppy one." And, and I was like, "Ah, it's just really kind of shallow. I'm not really about it. it doesn't like say anything. I mean, there's no message behind it." Um, and then he was like, "No, no, no. That's you know, but that's not as good. I, I just wanted you to do this, and we could make you into this." And I, I was just, I, I just remember leaving it. And it was a studio that I really wanted to record at. I really liked the producer. And after that experience, like, uh, I, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time. I just realized, I'm like, I'm done. This is not going to make me who I want to be. And that was when it was just, yeah, uh, I just made the decision. My wife was very happy because <laughs> all the hours I would spend mixing yeah. and recording and all that. Yeah. But yeah, best decision I ever made.
0: <laughs> you mentioned it was not who you wanted to be. Can you go into that? Like, what, who did you want to be at that time?
1: I realized I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be someone that was, you know, getting up at seven and going to sleep at 10, not the opposite. And I was working a five to nine instead of a nine to five. I remember driving home from the studio one night and Just seeing everybody getting up for work, and I'd never had that kind of job before. You know, the nine to five, everybody going, starting their day. While I was miserable from a exhausting, you know, night in the studio with little sleep and little work actually completed. I think I wanted to be something more, and then I started realizing that the the dream of being a famous artist was not not actually something I wanted. I wanted to be successful. I didn't realize that until then.
0: Okay, so now. You quit. What was the next move? Like, what was going through your mind? So now you're thinking of how'd you end up in sales? Like, how'd you realize that?
1: <laughs> I tried to figure out what jobs I could do. I'd spent so much time, and like, I'm like, what do my skills translate to? And uh, talking to people was something that they definitely did. I tried. I, I went to all these different like audiovisual places, giving my resume. Nothing was really picking up. Jobs didn't really pay that well. So what does someone, you know, who can talk a lot that's from New Jersey do in a time like that? Sell frozen Italian food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how was that? So how'd you get that job and how'd that job go for you?
1: Oh, so someone that was one of my neighbors was like, hey, you know, Apollo's is hiring. You should really, you know, go stop in. And and I heard they're giving like a hundred a day plus commission, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, know. I'll check it out. I went the first day. They're like, hey, you know, you can have a job right now. You'll do a ride along. You'll sit with us at the farmers market. You know, sell the food and and see if you like it. So the first day I went wasn't really about it. Um, didn't really like it. And then the second day I went, I just saw the, the sales guy that I was with was like, just describe the food as your, you know, describe what the ingredients are. And I was like, I've never even tried the food. He's like, well, first of all, try the food. Go home tonight, try it. And it's like, and second of all, just talk about the ingredients. I don't know. Something clicked on the third day that I was out where I opened up all the crates. I was started talking to people outside the tent, and I sold like a thousand dollars more than I should have that day. And my boss was like, What the heck? It became a thing. So I earned my commission, my hundred and fifty extra that day. And then I was like, Oh, what's better than earning a hundred a day, but two fifty a day? I just went wild. I was doing almost like six, seven days a week farmer's markets, which took like, you know, eight to 12 hours to get through. And I was selling so much Italian food, but I realized he was paying me cash. So I wasn't paying taxes. It wasn't something I could do forever. The season was only like five, six months. And this is when there was only a couple farmer's markets in New Jersey. So there weren't, we weren't saturated yet. And my boss kind of took me to the side and he said, listen, Ryan, one day, first of all, he allowed me to start doing B2B and and like doing a bunch of different stuff for his business, whatever I wanted to do at that point. And he took me to the side. He said, Ryan, one day you're going to get a more sophisticated sales job and you're going to leave this place behind and I'm going to be happy for you. But I know you're, you're smart enough to do more than you're doing now. So at one point, I ended up deciding, um, you know, I wanted to get into something a little bit more complex. I wanted to sell B 2 B because I was starting to do good on his front there. So I got into insurance, sold uh, group health insurance, and buy sell agreements, and and all different stuff. And I I was in that field for a couple of years, but in reality, it was sales and marketing, and you could not differentiate due to regulation and stuff, you couldn't market really, couldn't use LinkedIn. I knew I needed to escape from that highly stiff, old regulated world and and get into something where I could let some of my more creative aspects run wild. And, and that in comes uh, SaaS or tech sales, which if I could go back and tell myself in high school, Immediately just go become an SDR. That's exactly what I would go back and say. So, what does SDR stand for? Sales development rep. Typically, they're top of funnel sales activities. So, they're setting meetings generally for account executives, mostly outbound. There are inbound SDRs that really just focus on like lead qualification from like marketing. But in reality, uh, you know, an SDR, BDR position, as I like it, is outbound. So this is someone who's had no contact with the company, may not know you, may not know your product, and you have to get them into a meeting, whether that be from email, cold calling. Uh, in this case, some, some, and maybe not door-to-door for B2B SaaS, but yeah, uh, that, that's generally what it is.
0: So how are the days of the SDRs? Like, what's a typical day? How many calls, how many emails?
1: That depends on where you go. I have a lot of opinions on that. So yes, volume, extremely important, but I think quality is going to reign supreme. There just has to be enough quality. If you do five quality outreaches a day, you might not get very far, but there's a lot of places that just bring these guys in and they just grind them out. They're like, you have to do 150 $200 a day. And I did that at certain places but I was only an SDR at that time for six months. I got promoted so damn quickly because I came in and absolutely crushed it.
0: Why'd you crush it, and how'd you crush it?
1: Well, so this was earlier days on LinkedIn where nobody uh, was filling up people's inboxes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I messaged
1: CEOs uh, all, all across the board. I tried to stand out, do something creative, really focused on like problem solving for them rather than just like, hey, I have this product that you're going to want to buy. That honestly started it up. But I also just fell in love with prospecting. And then after getting promoted, I fell in love with coaching people who were getting into prospecting. So I love wordsmithing on emails, how to get people's attention. It's actually a lot related to what I do today is helping. Well, first of all, I prospect still to this day. And on top of that, I like to help other people that have to prospect get better at it. Because there's a lot of noise right now and not many people are that great at it.
0: How'd you incorporate, so obviously you did things to set yourself apart. How'd you incorporate sort of your previous passion or your current passion, but your previous career? I guess
1: if you want to cue in the creativity, one day after the gap selling training, my VP of sales at the time made a joke that someone should write a rap about it. And I was just like, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't, nobody knew. So I knew it was going to be out of the blue and it was going to be funny. So I decided to write, I wrote and I recorded a gap selling rap about Kenan. I think This is probably the first time I probably popped on his radar because they sent it to him. And I wrote this rap and I, I, I text my VP. I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to need to steal the first 10 minutes of your, uh, your sales meeting. And he goes, why? And I was like, refer all questions to my agent. And he just laughed and he was like, whatever. Okay. We go in the next morning. I play it. Everybody loses their mind. We send it to Keenan and then I realized maybe there's room for who I really am. Cause I would, you don't know, walk into a VP of sales and drop a rap song. I thought it was ridiculous, but it worked. So then I was like, all right, let's, let's see what we else we could do. I did another video on LinkedIn and it got a ton of engagement um, in the first day. And that's when I started to see where LinkedIn was headed. What year was this? This was last year. Okay, This wasn't even 2019, okay. Yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. And then once I got laid off in coronavirus, I started using that creativity to start posting videos to get myself seen for jobs because that was the hardest thing to do is stand out. A million salespeople laid off, resumes everywhere. Nobody really wanted to take a meeting. So how do you stand out this was my way to do it. And slowly but surely music started to creep into that.
0: So how did it feel to like bring back? Because, you know, I'm pretty sure you have to suppress it because, you know, I know some of these places it's like it's suit and tie, whatever business uh, professional. And you kind of go in and you can't talk about like rap, uh, rap music or whatever. I was an artist. How would that sort of creep up and how did it make you feel?
1: not even just the music side but just more the creativity who you are underneath all of it like i thought that that should be so suppressed especially with the insurance industry i just kept, i didn't want anybody to know but once it got into tech i started realizing a lot more people were people and now i realize that you can pretty much get away with anything not with everybody but the reality is that it's better to be authentic it's better to be yourself and those little unique things that make us different That's what people end up remembering you for and liking you for. So it's not nothing to hide.
0: What's a positive story about an outreach you want to share? And what's like a negative story? Because, you know, it's always like, you know, it works, works. And then there's one person that just like, I don't know, for whatever reason. Let's start off with a good note.
1: So I did. I've done a couple of these videos. Most of them I've sent privately to people because I just didn't want to air anything out. If I had information that I knew, then I've sent like two music videos that I posted publicly and I tagged people in to get their attention. I did a whole plan behind it. I knew some things. I knew the right people. I started engaging with their employees. I wanted to make sure that it was successful if I did it. And the one first one I did for gong.io, I got like five or six meetings out of that, not just with them, but with everybody else that saw it and was like, this was wild so, actually, generating revenue opportunities from a music video that I filmed was was wild. So I'm am fi- officially a paid rapper, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I took a back door, but I got there. <laughs> hey, look,
0: look, you got to get creative. And no, I like how you brought back a part of yourself. And I, I can imagine it's just amazing. So now, what's the, like a negative story? Like you sent someone a video, and they're probably like, "Oh, you're not professional. I hate you." Blah blah blah.
1: I know that there's probably people that are like, this is complete garbage. Like, the, like, what are you doing? I, I'm not really paying attention too much, but I'll, I can give you this. So I just did a recent one for a company called Get Accept. They're an awesome company. I really wanted to work with them. And they came on Keenan's show, Gapsell Keenan. So I definitely think there's opportunity there. So I wrote this song and I used the VP of sales name because he was my connective tissue to something creative I could do for them and chief sales officer, a bunch of his reps, the founders, all liked the video, loved the video, engaged with it. His name is in the video. He didn't comment on it or engage it. And I'm like, no. Actually, I sent him a message today being like, Delius, I serenaded you on the internet, and you're the only one who didn't (laughs) like it, which I get, you know. But uh, I thought it was funny. I hope he doesn't hate me.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh, well, oh, well. You know, you win some, you lose some. And I think overall, it's, look, it sets you apart. Now, what are some other things that, so now you're sort of doing these things, you're sort of coming into, you're able to be creative. How was your growth after that?
1: It honestly, it kind of set it on fire. Since I've come to uh, work with Keenan and under Gap Selling, it has allowed me to fully step in. Now I have to prove all of my theories around creativity and sales and why it works, and it's not all about music. It's not all about that. And I think it's teachable. Now a lot of people don't think creativity is teachable, but here's the where I think it is. So a lot of people try to reinvent the wheel. I think it's just turning the wheel a little bit, or maybe throwing like Dayton rims. On, I don't know, like, like spokes, something shiny and. I'm really starting to see a lot of these like highly effective approaches that I always had in my head when I wanted to lead an SDR team about a year ago, and and I was almost about to do that. So it's kind of like put your money where your mouth is and prove that it's successful. And out of the gate, absolutely crushing it in my current role. I'm meeting amazing people. I'm learning from the best of the best. And that is priceless to me. So it's been awesome.
0: That's awesome. What are some like don'ts when it comes to being your authentic self? Because some people take that a little too far, right? And there's like the right balance of so what advice would you have for that?
1: I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Like there are aspects that I'm still not a hundred percent out there and open about, but there's think about it like peeling a little bit of who you truly are under the surface out. Like, obviously you're not going to treat certain people the way you would treat your friends or the way you would treat your mom. You treat multiple people in your life differently. And business should be no different in that. You do put up a little bit of not a facade, but it's a different version of your personality. And a lot of it has to do with also understanding who you're reaching out to. Like, if I was selling to HR, this would not be my method. I, you know, I've I've been waiting to sell to salespeople because I understand what they're like. I understand what they'll react to and what they what they'll honestly be annoyed by. A lot of people have reached out and been like, "Oh, I want to do a music video too." I'm like, "Be careful with that because you have to make sure your target audience and your target buyer speaks that same love language that you do. That well, that sales leaders do, or it." it just won't be as effective. Like what I did was very researched to know that they would engage with something like that.
0: I see it a lot in sales. It's like, you have to know who you're getting because it's like, obviously on LinkedIn, you know, now, especially in the last few months, right? You get bombarded with these. sales. And look, I don't mind a sales pitch because I look, I understand people. But I, what I don't like is like, you did not do any research. Like, you know, even people will ask me, hey, can I come on your podcast? And it's like, You know, here's why I'm good. I have a PhD. It's like I have an MBA. And it's like, look, I'll even respect someone be like, look, I know it's called a no degree podcast, but I can talk about X, Y, Z and this topic. Also, it's like sometimes even that 30 seconds of research just goes a long way. Hey, do you need this? Do you need? And it's like a lot of people are lazy because in the sense of I had one where I post my podcast editor got fired, but I was talking about how he got fired and I picked him up. So the guy messaged me, he's like, hey, I'd love to be your podcast editor. I was like, dude, you didn't click see more, because I talk about how I hired him after. So it's it's just funny. It's like, you know. So can you what is gap selling?
1: So gap selling is a methodology that I like live and breathe. It's something that is very new. It came out like a year and a half ago, but it's really kind of like the inner workings of how keen in the author's mind actually works, how he actually sold. And then it was written down, but it's all about being a problem centric seller. So it's not ever pitching a product. And it's especially not pitching a product without having done any research. It's truly like perfecting the art of the discovery call or conversation to understand the problems that the prospect is trying to solve, the root causes of those problems, which is really what your product solves, and then the impacts of those problems. And if I truly, to the core of me, believe that if more people sold like this, there would be way less of a bad image of salespeople. The whole pushy, drill them into the ground, force them to sign, close them hard, that that needs to go. And then there's also like a ton of reps that are not bad sales reps that just aren't very good at discovery. So it's like as soon as they can't find a problem, they just lean on their product and they're just like, Oh, but look at all these benefits and features and like, here's all the value instead of asking a good line of questioning that gets the buyer to tell you what the value is actually going to be for them. Cause they're unique and specific. And if people can learn how to diagnose problems for their clients better through discovery it ends up in better win rates it ends up in bigger deal sizes cuz you're selling actually you know what they're going to need it reduces a lot of objections i had such an impact on my own results after implementing it that i was like i got to work for this guy
0: going back to your music career do you think you could have done anything differently to like stay in it or you think it was like only a matter of time just because right there are some commitments to that industry right it's just do you think that was there anything that could have got you to say like in terms of hey if I had a record if I had this
1: no man just be a rock star in life there's no need for me to go into music I don't want to be famous I don't mind being known for what I'm passionate about but in reality like I get to help a lot more people doing what I'm doing now and that is worth more than the money that I'll make. So yeah, getting to enjoy my job, getting to go full creative with what I'm doing uh, without having it to have to be my career there.
0: Now, what advice would you have for people who want to get more creative, right? Because you obviously come from that creative background and you can't just tell someone, hey, be creative. What's the process or how would someone go about being more creative, especially in sales?
1: Look at what is working or was just working. Take that concept and turn the wheel just slightly. So a lot of people were doing video. A lot of people were trying to put their product out there and get their message out there. I just saw a little gap in the industry, which was humor and music. And I knew that if I did it correctly, I did it, I was well-researched. I knew what I was talking about. I did it in a fun way to in, like, you know, lighten people up that it was going to work. The same way with what you're going to do is like just think of it as you're competing with everybody else in their inbox. Think of it as you're competing for something that's valuable to them. It's finite. It's time. So you better learn how to stand out. And then once you get that intrigue, you have to actually deliver value. You know, it can't just be just getting there to get their time and then you just dump something that they don't need on their lap. I guess, yeah, look, even Google it, which I've done for a lot of ideas. Think of ways where you could just be slightly different instead of trying to go completely different. That makes
0: sense. Now, especially during this time, what's one or two small things that Salesman can do just to not be the generic, hey, I'm cold calling, I'm just that, and I'm going to get hung up on real quick. What do you feel like? It's like if they could do one or two things, what would you advise?
1: Treat the person like a person. Yeah, I mean, with cold calling, like, and I'll tell you exactly what I say when I cold call someone say, hey, listen, I know I'm an interruption. Mind if I take 27 seconds to share why I called and then deliver what you're going to say in 27 seconds? I do, like, uh, Josh Braun is great. He puts a lot of tips out there from Chris Voss's book. Never Split the Difference, and I love that book. I love the teachings, man. So really, I use a lot of Chris Voss's stuff. Like, would you be opposed to learning more about a new strategy that can help you do this, this, and this, that doesn't involve this, some some curiosity at the end? And if they say no, be like, no problem, not a good time, I get it, understand, I'm going to send you a little bit of information, follow back up with them, don't try to hammer them, treat them like a human and understand what you're doing. Nobody likes a cold call, so I always ask for permission to pitch. Some people don't feel that way, but I do.
0: Okay, and you feel that like makes a big difference. Like, how many people just say no right away? <laughs> a lot, man.
1: So listen, I get if I get ten people
0: on the phone,
1: you know, eight of them, seven of them are saying no, no, thank you, we're good, um, this and that. But the ones that I do, or especially I'm selling to sales leaders, so they know all the tricks and stuff like that. They just want to be respected at the end of the day because they have other people under them that do what I do. If you're buyers on LinkedIn, send LinkedIn videos. Like, set, Take your phone, talk to them, create a real relationship. Don't pitch them when you connect. Send them something. One of the biggest things I'm doing right now that has been extremely impactful is I create my own gives. So you know how they say, like, give them something, give them something, give them something. More than you're asking. The give has to be better than for them than the ask is. And in that case, like I create my own content that I then then send out to them and I say, Hey, thought this exercise could be helpful for you and your team. And we build an actual relationship before it comes down to business or if I try to see if I can help.
0: What are the next steps for you? What's in line for the future? Like what are your goals? Because now obviously your goals change from before. You know, you've hit a lot of goals. Now what what are the next steps for you? The
1: next step? I mean, one day I want to own my own business. That, that is definitely a, a big thing of mine. But in reality, it's just become better at what I do every single day. Learn from people that are doing really well. Stand out, be myself, be different. Don't get kicked off of LinkedIn for rap music videos.
0: Now, was there ever a time that your lack of a degree sort of you were insecure about it? Did it ever hold you back? Can you share stories about that?
1: Listen, I still, like uh, almost as recent as uh, this past job search, someone's like, you don't have a degree. (laughs) Yeah, but I'll probably outsell all of your salespeople. Um, It's not that I couldn't get one. It's that I'm just, I think I didn't want to amass massive amounts of debt I'd be still paying off today for a piece of paper that wouldn't get me a job in the field I love. For people that don't have a degree, like it's a stigma. In general, it may be that you're not committed, that you're lazy, that you, you know, you're you're not I don't know, it could be the lack of affluence and there there's a ton around it that's just garbage. I've worked with PhDs that had zero ability or, you know, concept of how to run a business. And I've worked with people that barely got through high school that ran multi-million dollar corporations. So it's not it's not a prerequisite it, it affected me in a lot more the early stage of my career than it does now. I remember a guy said he wanted to hire me, but he le- legitimately couldn't. He was like, you're better than half my salespeople and I cannot hire you because HR is very strict about the requirement of a bachelor's degree.
0: Wow. I mean, that's sad to hear because at the end of the day, it's their loss, right? It's not your loss. It's more, their loss more than um, your loss. So no, no, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Now, what advice would you have to like a high school kid or what would you have told yourself if you were in high school today? Just so going forward about sales, you know?
1: About sales, become an SDR. Work really, really hard. Learn and ask questions. It's not a bad thing to ask questions. It's actually very good. Ask questions, be curious, find the smartest and most effective person in the company and ask them for some time. Now, sometimes they won't be able to give it to you. Sometimes that's too much of an ask, but do whatever you can to learn from the people who are doing really, really good and just keep keep leveling up and eventually it'll
0: all click. No, I mean, that's great advice. Now, can you share some financial things? So how much is a BDR, so BDR stands for business development representative?
1: Yeah, business development, sales development, they're, they're the same thing, really. Um, they're interchangeable words.
0: Now, what are the sort of salary ranges for something like that, especially in tech sales? I mean, it can
1: definitely vary. There's BDRs that start with like, I think I started with like a $38,000 salary. And then there's, you go to New York, you can be a BDR making $80,000 base. This is base. And you can earn as, you know, a little over a hundred maybe. And then, you know, once you get to that next level or, I mean... I want them to erase it. It should be, you should have really specialized BDRs. But if you get to an AE position, you can start earning like almost $100,000 base salary. You can go to a couple hundred.
0: AE is account executive?
1: Account executive. And that's a more or less a closing role. Um, They go, they start really at the the handoff between the BDR. So it's discovery, could be demonstration, negotiation, close. They could have upsell. They could have to manage the account. Um, they're two very different skill sets. They are transferable, but you know, the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. What would you say are the biggest differences in terms of the skill sets? Like what does an account executive have that SDR has, or what does the SDR have that the account representative doesn't have?
1: And I don't want to say that BDRs are not intelligent, but there's a certain level of intellect to be a really good account executive. You have to be extremely naturally curious as an account executive, You have to be able to navigate complex systems and, you know, understand a business, uh, in some cases, more than the prospect that you're working with. And then for a BDR, I mean, that can be very mentally daunting. I mean, sometimes it's a volume play, depending on what company you work for. But there's a lot more, I think, that lies on the side of creativity, uh, learning how to captivate attention and communicate and be able to get someone on the line. But I know for a fact, like when I'm cold calling, I am a different person than when I'm doing a discovery call. I come to a different, I have a different energy. I'm much calmer and slower on a discovery call. And where, when I'm prospecting, I'm much more high energy because it can be a a challenging role to do well in long-term.
0: No, I mean... Thank you so much. You gave so much great info. So before we wrap up, how would people get in contact with you?
1: LinkedIn is probably the best way to do do so. My name is Ryan Scalera over at Gap Selling. Um, I do a lot of stuff, post a lot of stuff. I'm not really on social media otherwise. Uh, but other than that, you know, my email's ryan at a com.
0: Wow, I mean, love that
1: domain. Uh, thank you for sharing. <laughs> We're gonna sharing.
0: change that. Really? <laughs> Maybe. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I love that, sales guy. It's just so easy to remember
1: yeah but uh, half of our team are, are women more than half so we want to stay with the times man it's not you know man, what
0: i didn't even consider that so thank you for bringing that up for some awesome awesome women and not just to
1: only highlight keenan like the rachel who brought me on to like really kind of grabbed me from the sidelines has been one of the most impactful people in my career so i cannot thank her enough
0: uh that's amazing so yeah thank you so much for your time let me know if you get any music video. If if one of you who listens sends like a nice music video or some nice video, do that. Set yourself apart.
1: Do yes. So I'm hosting a, a revenue raps club for Rev Genius now. That where a bunch of other people have basically all come together that love revenue, that love music. They're either in marketing or sales. So this community on LinkedIn is actually building. And there's a lot more people that are like, I saw you do that video and it gave me the confidence that this is acceptable. So go out there and do it guys.
0: I used to freestyle with my coworker. So it was me and one guy was a judge and then the other guy was a freestyle. So we'd go, I'd be like, yo, what's up? Let's go and we just go back and forth we just make i'd make fun of him because he was fat he'd make fun of me because i was you know just like eh. so it's cool Playing so i definitely i'd love to sort of get and and it was cool i remember i used to like look at words that rhymed and i used to like think of things so it's uh so i definitely want to join that community i, I like flexing that side
1: oh yeah let's let's jump in the cypher man
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so cool you know thank you thank you for anybody listening and looking forward to the next episode another great episode Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at NoDegreePodcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree, I-N-C. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Junaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem. NoDegree.com.
1: Yeah, so... You got no degree no problem no problem any problem we can solve we them. got LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving growing and knowing Wisdom is flowing If you didn't know now you know where I'm going If you didn't know now you know Let's sing that again everybody no degree no problem any problem we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving we're growing in the knowing the wisdom is flowing if you didn't know now you know where i'm going no degree no problem any problem we can solve linked insomnia keeps us evolving we're growing in the knowing the wisdom is flowing if you didn't know now you know where i'm going